Well, I don't probably need to tell you um, what an honor it is for me to be able to come to you uh, and to be able to preach in this church. Becky and I go to this church. Um, and this is, this is more like Northland back in the day uh, than I can tell you. The spirit here, I love to sit under uh, Pastor Justin's teaching uh, and all the pastors, you know, I love to be in Pastor Eddie's house. He invited me into his house. Um, and so it's just great being here today. And Pastor Eddie already took care of all the disclaimers of Father's Day, and I appreciate that because I don't need to spend a lot of time on it now. But I do want to start off with a combination of Father's Day, Father in Heaven, good qualities that our Father teaches us. And many fathers replicate in their goals for our lives. So let me start out like this. In Ephesians, which is a letter to the church, um, it, 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 in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 13, when, when, when Paul is describing, you know, why he gave leadership to the church, so that all of us would be fitted for service. Thank you for Serve Day, by the way, yesterday. Um, all of us would be fitted for service. Now watch this, not just that. It says, this will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature. There's the goal, mature. Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What is that standard? <laughs> it's love. It's love. Let me tell you something about good dads, including our father who is in heaven. Good dads care more, and Pastor A just said this word, about character than about circumstances. Good dads care more about character than circumstances. In other words, your father is not going to fix everything for you. He's not going to baby you. Because he wants you to come to maturity. He wants us all to come to maturity so that we can face any circumstance. This is what, you know, moms are good in that, in that they, they care about feelings. Um, and, and, that, and that's good. That's, that, no, no, that's, that's good. You know, our, our sons used to come home and somebody hurt their feelings. And, and, and Becky said, no, remember how that feels and make sure you never make anybody feel like that. That's, that's good. But most dads... Don't go there. They, they don't go there right away. As a matter of fact, most dads don't fix things. They, they fix you in the midst of things. Can you, you know, many times, people come to God hoping he's going to fix something. Do you know coming to God many times gets you into more trouble than less trouble? <laughs> Seriously. You, you know, what, what does it mean when it says... In, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, what does it mean when it says, and the Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted by the devil? The Spirit, he put him in trouble. You know, I, I, I know there's a lot of brands, a lot of really bad versions of Christianity. And, and, and in these bad versions, they all have something in common. They want God to be the servant. They don't want to serve God. They want God to serve them. Can you imagine going to your father every day and say, here's what you need to fix? You know, has anybody ever tried that? By the way, here's, here's the list, Father, of what you need to fix for me today. That's exactly how we go to God the Father. 
That's exactly how we go to him. You try and go to your real father like that, he's like, I'm going to fix you. He says, here's what you can do about that. Here's what you can do about that because I want you to come to maturity. Early in my ministry, I, was, uh, I visited a prisoner who didn't have any, he advertised in the paper for a pastor to come see him. Somebody advertised for him because he had not a friend in the world. I said, I'm in. And this man was in for murder. And, and so I went and I visited him and he, and he came to accept Christ. Um, and and, and I, it looked like his life was going on the upswing until he got a hold of a really bad version of Christianity. And, and it, was, it was some version of, of God will make everything all right. And so he, he got in this word of, you know, God's going to get me released. God's going to get me paroled and my, my parole boards and God's, I'm standing on the promise. And I kept saying, wait, 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 wait. This is about your relationship with God. This is about your This is kind of the, about the kind of person you are. No, 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 no. Says him, God holds true to his word. Well, he didn't get to parole. He threw his Bible in the trash and said, I'm not going to believe anymore because God didn't do for me what I thought he was going to do. He, got, he had the wrong version. He had the wrong version. See, God is trying to fix us through our circumstances, not fix our circumstances. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, put that up. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Don't ever feel like, I'm, I must be a worm. I can't even believe. No, everybody does. Everybody's tempted like that. Uh, and, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now watch this next part here. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can what? Endure it. That's when you grow up. You don't grow up by getting out of something. You grow up by going through something. That's what forms character. And so therefore, a lot of dads aren't going aren't to baby us. Um, um, now, let me, let me just say this. It's, it's, it's good to face some of the things that are going on inside and some of the challenges we have and kind of analyze them. Pastor Justin said something very wise a few weeks ago. He said, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with something and you got some, you know, challenges, it's good to get counsel. It's good to go for counseling. It's, you know, they're going to help you track down what happened to you. But then he said this very profound. Now listen, but you don't get stuck there. The whole idea of counseling is you don't get stuck there. The whole idea of going through traumatizing events, you don't get stuck there. They are to equip you for the work of service, for the fullness of maturity, so that you are free. You don't get stuck there. This is not just about what happened to you. I know Oprah loves that phrase. What happened to you? Well, I, that's important. But honest to goodness, have you ever seen that? Dads don't go in a room when two kids are fighting and say, now tell me what happened here. Uh, like, like, give me a blow by blow. What, what, whose fault was this? You know, who did to, who to what first and then what? Dads go in the room and say, I don't care. Fix it. Stop it. We're not doing this. See, there's a, there's a difference between relying on faults as an excuse 
You, you remember in, 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 uh, in the garden, and I always get tickled at this because I would have hated to be the serpent. Because God comes to Adam, remember this, and says, have you eaten of the tree? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I told you not to eat? Now, he just, he's just looking for a yes or no. He's not looking for excuse. But right away, Adam comes up with blame. Blame. The woman that you gave to be with me. She tempted me and I. God turns to the woman. What is this that you have done? The serpent beguiled me. <laughs> Wouldn't you hate it when God turns to the serpent? The serpent's all like, can't. <laughs> got no one to blame. See, here's what God's trying. Every time we're trying to blame somebody else, we are disempowering ourselves. We are saying, it's their fault. Therefore, I have no power. They have the power in this situation. Every time we rely on blame as an excuse, we take away our own power. But when, when, watch this, when we say, eh, no, that's my fault, my, my bad. Do you remember when Jesus, they, they caught the woman in the act of adultery? Don't ask me why they didn't chase after the man. Uh, I, there's a whole nother sermon there. But they caught the woman an act of adultery brought her, and, and of course the law says you got a stoner, and, and Jesus says, oh, okay, uh, go ahead. But I'll tell you how we're going to do this. You who are without sin, cast the first stone. Now put up, put up Matthew, um, whatever it is. No, John, uh, whatever, whatever that, John 8, um, there it is, 8, 7. Yeah, let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone. Now, uh, now watch it, it. It continues on. At this, only those who, heard, uh, those who heard began to go away one at a time. Watch this. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. What are those more likely to have a lifetime of experience to know? And it was my, my fault. I got, I'm no one to throw stones. I've lived long enough to know I got enough faults of my own than to spend my time trying to shame other people and trying to hurt other people. That's what maturity is. And so, and so therefore, it's really important that we understand God cares more about character and character in this, by, by the way, we don't, you can, you can sense somebody who is mature who doesn't let even their natural limitations stand in the way of what they can accomplish. Yeah, that's, that's maturity. Somebody, I think Becky the other day was telling me that a reporter came up to Michael Jordan. Now, to those of you who, you know, don't know who Michael Jordan is, I'm just sorry. It's just, you know, he, he's the goat. You know, he's the, he's the, he, and, and, and so they, they were they were about to go they were about to go into the the uh, NBA finals and 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 so they said Michael to ask Michael do you think your championship Chicago Bulls team of back in the day could beat um, LeBron James and the Lakers and Michael Jordan said oh sure and 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 the reporter said well, like by how many points 
And Michael Jordan said, eh, three or four points. And the reporter said, why so small a margin? And Michael Jordan said, we well, gotta realize most of us are heading into our 60s by now. <laughs> Mature people don't let even real limitations take away their performance for victory. This is, what, this is what it is to be mature, is to take realistic account of your own faults and your own limitations and, and not be afraid of them and not let them bat you down or keep you away from victory. It's important to say, rather than it's not my fault, it is my fault, but I'm not going to make it worse. It is my fault, but I'm going to build a better life. It is my fault, but I'm going to be a better person. Uh, uh, let, me, let me tell you another thing that most dads would say. Most good dads, by the way. It's important to understand that maturity has an emphasis on how well we love rather than how good we look. How well we love rather than how good we look. And by well, I mean how broadly we love. What does scripture say? You, you know this scripture of, of all scriptures. God so loved the world. Uh, who, who's, who's left out of there? Nobody. Nobody. It's important to understand, again, that loving well is loving broadly, and loving broadly is loving people who are unlovable and loving people who will get you into trouble for loving them. I don't know how many of you have ever been excluded because you loved somebody you shouldn't have loved because society didn't approve of them or they were down or they were going, they were, they were, they were in the wrong, clearly in the wrong. I love that. Listen to this saying. I love this saying. I would rather be excluded because of the people I chose to include than included because of the people I chose to exclude. Isn't that good? That's not mine. I don't know where I got it. I don't know where half the stuff I got. It. And by the way, none of this is mine. I've never had an original thought in my life. I, I should have just done this at the beginning of my sermon. I don't know where I get all this stuff, but... But the point is, I can spot it when I see it. I, I can spot it when I see it. And it's important to understand that, that God's goal for us is not that we would seek popularity or just love the people who are safe to love. Jesus said this, and, and I didn't put this scripture up there, but Jesus said, well, if you just love those who love you, anybody does that. Non-believers do that. What credit is that to you? It's, 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 it's important to understand that when we love broadly, especially those people who nobody else is really loving or who are being actively excluded. You remember Jesus that with the woman, did that with the woman at the well, right? You, you all know the woman as well. Just, just totally outcast. There in the middle of the day because she was so ashamed because people literally would have beat her if they'd have seen her. That's, that's one of the dangers you faced. 
And she wasn't there for repentance purposes. She was in full active sin at the time. And the Bible says in John 4, chapter 4, verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? With that conversation, he crossed every boundary there was. He, cro he, 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 he crossed, men didn't talk with women and Jews didn't talk with Samaritans and righteous people didn't talk with sinners. And you go on down the line, every, but he initiated the conversation. Why? Because coming to the full stature of Christ is loving people who will get you in trouble because you love them who will get you excluded because you love them. That's what happened with Jesus. He got excluded from the religious people because he loved people who were looked down upon. And what this means is that we have to practice, and this is really important, we have to practice loving in a way First of all, let me say this. I was here last week when Pastor John was, was preaching. I love Pastor John preaching. You know, I, I loved it. Eddie was preaching. I'm all in with Eddie. You know, he's an athlete. He's talking about the importance of a team and all that. Ah, man, I mean, Pastor Tyler talking about the importance of being on just always being on a... Uh, but Pastor John said something last week that just, I just loved. First of all, I love his sense of humor. You know? He, he does make me a little uncomfortable. When he started that rap, when he started that rap last week, I almost sweated through my shirt. I'm just going, oh, this isn't right. There's a 49-year-old guy rapping up there. There's something not right about this. But he said something profound. Listen to this. He said, for those of you who are looking who to love, and he wasn't just talking about spouses, I think he was talking about friends too. He said, quit focusing on who you want and focus on who you want to become. Oh, that is so wise. That is deep. You can stand on that because the character of God is to build our character in the character of Jesus. And if we want to become like Jesus, we will love in a way that makes us better, not better off. You see, everybody, the whole world lo loves in a way that, uh, that kind of misses the point. <laughs> I read a story the other day about this woman. He said, she said, my, grand my granddaughter wanted a Cinderella-themed birthday party. So I invited all her friends over and had them clean my house. I, I think she missed the point. But that's the way the world loves. That's the way the world loves. Do something for me, you know? If I'm gonna invite you over, do something for me. I, I need to be better off because of you, because of who I loved. And, 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 and Scripture says um, in, in Galatians uh, 6, 2. Are we Galatians 6, 2? Yeah, yeah. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Do you know what the law of Christ is? Love. 
This isn't complicated. He didn't put the cookies on the high shelf here. This is, this is real simple. If we learn to love better, we become more like Jesus. That's my prayer every night. I pray for my grandchildren. I say, Lord, make them more like Jesus. And I pray for myself. Lord, make me more like Jesus. This is, and, and what that means is we love better because we want to be better. We want to be those kinds of people. Love in a way that makes you better and not better off. I, I grew up with a, <clears throat> a mom who was an alcoholic. Sorry, this is going to take me a minute to get through here. I never can do this just coldly. And I thought she created the universe. And she thought I hung the moon. We loved each other like crazy. But I learned very early how love can't depend on whether or not you can, man you can manage somebody else's life. Love can't depend on how well you can manage somebody else's life. Love has to come not with excuses for you, but excuses for them. Love has to come knowing that how dependable they are, how well they can keep their word, how well they can always be there for you, has nothing to do with how much they love you. For years, I tried to get her to quit because I was a kid, I didn't know. And I'd pour out the booze and I'd give her lectures and I'd try to shame her and I'd try to reason with her. And, and addictions don't work like that. They don't work like that. I could not have loved her more. But I could have loved her better. This isn't about how much we can love someone. It's how well we can love someone and how broadly we can love people who are in trouble. See, that's why Christ came at all. Because we were in trouble. And we couldn't help ourselves. That's how God loves the Father sends his son to get us out of trouble at great cost to himself. It's important for us to understand the difference between kingdom love and the world's love. There are subtle ways that people love that they look like they're doing good, but what they're really doing is accumulating more power for themselves. You gotta do a self-check here. You gotta do a self-check. It looks like they're doing good things, but what they're really doing is accumulating more power for themselves. Marcia Weisenfeld told about her grandparents who had a grocery store in Chicago in, during the Depression. And she said there was this one well-dressed man that would come in all the time, and everybody loved this guy. He was the most charming, and he would send food baskets to the poor. Uh, and and a, in a couple of cases, she knew that he, he paid somebody's rent, and, 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 and he always cared for those who were down and out. She said he can, she can remember her grandmother chiding her grandfather, why can't you be more like him? Until one day, 
she picked up the Chicago paper, and that charming man's picture was on the front page. His name was Al Capone. There are people who love and do good things, but they do it to accumulate power. We've got to do a self-check here. Why am I loving? Why am I loving? Am I passing the self-sacrificing, I want you to be better off kind of love that God gave to me? Or am I loving in the way the world loves, just doing Good relational business. So, Scripture really has this goal of maturity for us. That we can love in a way that takes up each other's burdens and thereby fulfills the law of Christ. And there's a third point. And this is going to get tricky here. So, you got to stick with me. We've been taught all our lives that, especially in Western cultures, that the important thing is your identity. Whatever your, you got to find out who you are. Who are you? You got to find out. Yeah, and, and that's our main, who am I, Lord? Now, there's always a side to a dangerous temptation that is the truth. The truth is, God did make each of us unique. Knit us together in our, in, our, in our mother's womb. We all have a role that no one else can fulfill in this world. Or, or if, if, if that weren't true, he'd take you out because he didn't waste stuff, you know? If you, didn't, if you don't have, if, if there wasn't a mission that only you can fulfill, still to be fulfilled in this world, he'd take you out. But there's still a mission that all of us have a, a mission that is unique to all of us. But watch this. That is not the same thing as pursuing the question, who am I really for all of our lives? I read a good book a couple of weeks ago, um, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes. Now, now I want you to know these are, these are biblical scholars, missionaries, um, and, and have spent most of their lives in non-Western countries. You've got to realize the Bible wasn't written by a Westerner. The Bible was written from an Eastern culture that is community and family-based, not individually based. In the West, it's all about the individual. But Scripture has this version of our identities that is, watch this, plural. Plural. We are made in his image, watch this, and you are a network of identities. You don't just have one identity. You're a network of identities. It says in, in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, I want you to, want you to see this with me. And I've, I think I've told you this before, but I want to tell you again because it bears repeating. Then God said, let us... The word here is Hebrew, it's Elohim. It's a plural word used in a singular sense. If we're made in his image, you have plural identities in a singular person. You are a network of identities. So let us make man, mankind in our image and in our likeness. Now watch this. 
It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Plural. Male and female, he created them. Them is the image of God. Us is the image of God. Not just you. Not just me. Us. I am us. And so therefore, what we need to do, what we need to 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 uh, do is give up trying to define ourselves as the same person in every circumstance. Watch this. And train ourselves to be more responsive to who we are in the particular relationships we see ourselves. Because if the whole thing is about love, then we need to be able to be more responsive than declarative. We need to be able to understand that we, we give up defining ourselves. Somebody once said, I love this. Russian dolls are just full of themselves. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. You ever seen a Russian doll where you just keep, you keep going down and down? It's the same image, same image, same image. Same. That's the Western definition of identity. No matter who, how many layers you go down, same image, same image, same image. That's not how the Bible was written. That's not who God is. God became incarnate like us so that he could love us on our basis on the, in the world we live in. Tempted, tempted in all manner as we are. He became like us. When we love, we need to become more and more like the people because we need to empathize and we need to, we need to, to understand that they are part of our identity. You know, when Becky, um, Becky hates to be in the lim limelight. She doesn't even like me to point her out, but I just do it because it's fun. <laughs> but Becky was in a, a global role um, some years ago. She was a president of the Global Pastors Wives Network. And so they would, they would interview her. Now, she doesn't ever want to be in the limelight. And she just gets real nervous. She doesn't even like to get up when in front of a crowd and walk some. She just, it just freaks her out. So they would interview her and say, tell us about you. And this is how Becky would respond. Well, I had a mom and a dad. My dad was a middle school principal. My mom was a nurse uh, at first. And then she was a fourth grade teacher. I have two brothers. Um, one does this, one does that. Um, I, of course, I'm married to Joel and and this is what he does, and, and I have three sons, and this is what they do, and this is what they're like. And, and, I, and, and she just kept describing everybody was in her life, wouldn't say a word about herself. Now, you can imagine how frustrated an interviewer is at this point. I didn't ask you about them. I asked you about you. But what they didn't understand was she was saying, they are my life. They are my identity. I don't separate myself from them. That's how I am fulfilled as a person, by loving them, by caring about them more than paying attention to myself. You understand? This is how God matures us. He helps us come to a relationship. Remember what Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Now, our, our bottom line identity is Jesus. 
If you've accepted, if, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away, the new has come. No longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So that bottom line, if you're, in the, if you're a Christian, the bottom line, and I'm going to give you a chance in a minute if you're not, but that bottom line is I, my, my basic identity is Jesus. But watch this. Paul, in his letter to the church, says, you know, I discovered something about my, when I'm a Jew, when I'm with Jews, I'm a Jew. And when I'm, when I'm with Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. And when I'm with weak people, I become a weak person. We all have this tendency, by the way. Have you ever been in, in, in uh, um, a conversation with a, with a, a southern person with a, with a heavy accent? And, and, and about five minutes into that, you find yourself developing a southern accent. I don't care if you're from New York. You start, start, start saying y'all, you know? Or, or I, 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 if, if you're a lame white person and you're talking with a black person, you know, it's only about 10 minutes before you're looking for an excuse to go, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I shouldn't have done it. But, but you understand, all of us want to get into their world and their way of speaking. That's a natural tendency. Why? Because you're trying to connect. You're trying to connect. My first church out of seminary, we're almost done. My first church out of seminary was this little church in southern Indiana, one of the few racially integrated churches in the entire United States. There couldn't have been more than a dozen of us in the entire nation. But there's this one in southern Indiana, got this little farming community, uh, an old white collar, um, uh, I'm sorry, blue collar congregation, railroad workers, and an African-American congregation. We all came together. And we just had the best time because we loved so well. But let me tell you something about this community and where I learned about the importance of connections and relating to somebody. Do you know what a difference there is between a world in which there are hyphenated last names and a world in which there are two first names? Now think about this just for a minute. I love the hyphenated last name thing. It's just saying, look, we're equal. You know, each of us have our own individual identity, but we're also together. That's a statement to society. But when you grow up in a world of first names, that was this congregation, you know, Mary Betty and Peggy Sue and, and Bobby Joe, which was really confusing because that was a girl. <laughs> and, and Jimmy Ray and, and, and um, um, Billy Joe, or, uh, Billy Bob, is it? Billy Bob. All of these people were connected. That, that's a family deal. This is a, this is a community deal. I remember making a pastoral call in this one house. And, and, and I had just come from the other side of town. Person, I, I, had, I didn't have any, any reason to connect these two people. And I just made the offhanded comment. This person I just visited was the most talkative. I mean, I didn't get two words in it. It was. And so I just said, you know, I just came from uh, Mary Francis's house. And, uh, boy, she's a talker. This person bowed up. She said, she is my fifth cousin once removed. <laughs> and she gave me a look like, I don't care if you are the pastor. If you say one more word about this woman, I'm coming across the room, and you will not get out of here alive. I learned something. That when 
we identify with each other, when we're connected, when we think in terms of family and community, there's a strength in that. And God is trying to get us into that kind of love and that kind of relationship. I want to tell you something that's important and, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to finish this up because this was just pre, a prelude to next week's sermon. How would you like to never fail in a relationship? I mean, never. Whether the relationship is with God or with people. I'm going to tell you how to never fail in a relationship next week. Oh, come on. You didn't think I could do that in two minutes, right? Yeah. It's, it all rides on next week. But the point is, this is all about relationship. Our faith in God is all about relationship. The sin we drag is simply the separation in our relationships. And God wants to take care of that separation. He wants to break down that dividing wall. It's why Jesus went to the cross. You don't have to drag your sin along anymore. You don't have to come with separation in mind between you and another person, between you and God. Jesus had taken care of all of that. He's paid for all of that so that we can genuinely love in a way that makes us better instead of better off. And so here's what I want you to do. Just like you do every week at Action, I want you to bow your heads. And those of you who say, God, I want to love like that. I don't want to keep making excuses for my life or blaming other people. I don't want to bring about the kind of conversation that puts me puts a wall between me and you and me and them and and just keep trying to be more and more alone I want to be with you I want to love like you I want to be like Jesus and so today Lord I want you to come into my heart I want you to come into my heart for some of you, that's going to be the first time you've ever prayed this prayer. For some of you, it's going to be somewhere along the line, Jesus, I lost that priority. And I find myself more and more against people, more and more frustrated, more and more siding with little segments that seem like they're right. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person who loves the whole world like you. And so, if you'd like Christ to come into your heart, and if you would like for Christ to be your main identity and how you love, I want you to raise your hand in every room, every location. Thank you. Thank you. Good, I see that. Good. All over the room all over the rooms. God sees that. Lord, I pray that you will come into every heart, all of our hearts, 
and we could all be more like Jesus. Thank you for wiping away our sin so that we can love. In Jesus' name, amen.